This is a honky tonk man, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Hey everybody, this is Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. You are listening to... And you're listening to The Wrestler Review. Priceless. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the motherfucking wrestler review. I'm Dylan God and I'm No Condoms John Hastings. What's up? Ooh. Hope you don't like protection because you're gonna fucking need it. Because this week we're gonna crunch your dick in a fucking door. We're talking about the bear hug man. He looks bald <laughs> even when he's where he's even when he's got hair. Lock up your weed. He loves weed. This guy loves weed and he thinks that. Arn Anderson is too uh, too much of a spot fest wrestler. This is Larry Zbysko. Oh yeah, well Larry Zbysko, he's the last wrestler of the '60s who wrestled in the '90s. Um, he, oh man, he legit thinks that Arn Anderson, like that was the I'll ruin that part right now. One of the last things he did in wrestling was a tag team in WCW in the early '90s, and in the Dangerous Alliance with uh, Arn yeah. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the it was the best. He, it was like the last 80s heel stable idea. Well, Larry Zabisco was like, hey, Arn, you're, uh, you're, being, you're having too many spots here, buddy. You got, <laughs> you're too much of a high flyer out there, Arn Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Arn, you kicked him three times. One kick. <laughs> One front face lock. Here pin. is how wrestling works. You stand outside the ring for 14 minutes. Then you get in, put a face lock in, back outside for another 14. Wrist lock, you tap. That's what they want, baby. <laughs> That's He must have fucking hated. What, like, reading up on this dude, I really just want to watch his commentary on cruiserweight matches because he must have fucking hated every single moment of it. Imagine showing him Onita Omega. He literally, not Onita. Yeah, Onita. No. No. Okada. Okada. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my God. I want to see that match though. <laughs> Onita versus Omega. <laughs> just a man smoking, just sharpening a knife while um, uh, Kenny Omega is just doing a bunch yeah. of backflips. Yeah. He did oh. a French. He did a Hurricane Rana right into being stabbed in the neck. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's dead. Yeah. Onita wins. Now the bag of piranhas. They're out of the water, so they'll eat faster. Kenny Mega just did a moonsault into a shotgun. Into Onita shot himself. Oh my god! <laughs> Bullet club! Uh, Bullet club! So this is a very fun story um, because it starts out if it just if Larry Zabisco had stopped wrestling before he went to the AWA, then it would just be a a story of a boy achieving his dream and not a man who thinks that he is the biggest draw in the history of pro wrestling. Yeah. He, well, listen, he wasn't the biggest draw. It was, I see his point is that he, he also strikes me as a guy who believes, he's a wrestler who believes wrestlers. Do you know what I mean? Okay. No. Explain. Wrestlers are liars. They're filthy carnival liar fox. Yes. And- a lot of some wrestlers know this. Like the best example is Kevin Nash takes this to the extreme where he literally doesn't believe what anyone ever says. Like he's just like you know, like he found out that CM Punk left the WWE and he's like, he's working him. It's a work. He secretly works for TNA. He has the entire time like there's that guy. And then there's Larry Zabisco who legitimately is like Bruno Sammartino was the biggest draw in the history of New York at one time. But in my mind, the yeah. whole time, me turning on him 
did revitalize the business a little bit because Bob Backlund was a weak champion. So mm-hmm. I'm the biggest draw ever in wrestling. Well, there's a lot of stuff during that era where he does have a point, but then he continues where it's like he doesn't really say, I mean, you wouldn't, but I don't know. We'll get there. But like a lot of stuff with the AWA, I feel is like is very funny. Anyway, um, so Larry Zbysko born december 5th 1951 in chicago came out um, with a of course he's from fucking chicago i'm from chicago new new world or order <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that stuff is pretty great too but he says he had like a great childhood um but he never really bought into that fucking system bullshit he didn't want to be brainwashed by the system right? i guarantee that's why he okay steals he, weed <laughs> yeah that, that's why this guy steals weed and still wears like you know like you know like thin dragon shirts that that like one like that one kid in high school wore that, yeah yeah that have like a they're blue with like a red trim and then like a fucking graphic des- I can't even describe them. He wears those and he he thinks he knows he thinks he looks good. He's like he's the archetype of the suburban dad that when you find out they smoke weed every day their whole being makes sense to you where it's like everyone else's dad is pretty down down the line like he's a man with pants and a job but why is this guy's dad who seems normal just wear super crazy anime shirts and always tell me that the teachers don't know shit oh (laughs) because he steals weed (laughs) yeah he's a weed thief this guy reminds me of there was this um we should explain the steal weed thing before we go though oh uh, you explain that to me off where much to the shock of everyone jim ross loves weed talks about it a lot in his book smoked a lot of weed in his career like yeah. Jim Ross and Rodney Dangerfield are the two most undercover potheads in entertainment history. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. If they if those two fucking had a slobber knocker fucking dope sesh, that would have been out of control. Yeah, um, I love weed, and we shouldn't, welfare shouldn't be around. <laughs> yeah, like that's the, yeah, they've discussed that. I like weed, and both of our childhoods sound disturbing in different ways. <laughs> anyway, so whenever on his podcast Larry Zabisco is brought up, Jim Ross just mentions... Oh, that guy loves stealing your weed. I would guarantee there is a direct like, and this is probably the only thing I would say is 100% as far as one character trait to another is if if you've stolen someone's weed regularly, you believe every conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I, like, hundred, no I 100% agree like, with it. Larry Zabisco strikes me as there's this guy on my street growing up who had long white hair and he was the o- he was a dad and he's the only guy who I remember there was a pickup soccer game in the park and he got super competitive and yelled at a 6-year-old for not passing the ball. It was <laughs> It was that fucking is It was fucking crazy. <laughs> I I saw that guy two Christmases ago and I wanted to walk up and be like I I got to ask you what the fuck was that about? But I guarantee he won't remember because he, he's He's yelled at so many people for things that, that he shouldn't have yelled at them for. He's me- he's yelled at a lot of toddlers for not living up to weird adult responsibilities yeah. he thinks they should have. Why don't you have a job, Terry? I'm seven. Uh, Tim Horton's hiring. You lack accountability. <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, Zabisco um, lived near Bruno Sammartino uh, in Pittsburgh. He was born in Chicago. When he was 12, he moved to Pittsburgh. That's where he takes up amateur wrestling. And he also uh, took up karate 
Um, and basically, he stalked Bruno San Martino. He sat next to him in church one day and missed communion because he was just he followed him out, asking him questions about wrestling. Um, and keep in mind, Bruno at this time is like he's the Ital- he's the Hulk Hogan of like he's the Hulk Hogan, the Steve Austin, the what Roman Reigns in theory should be. He's like one of those. If you watch, there's uh, which we will be talking about obviously a Zabisco Bruno match, like the first. Uh, part of their feud, like when it when it mentor versus protege, and they're having like an exhibition. Yeah, yeah that one, the good the the good match. I I refer to it as. <laughs> I was gonna say the one where it's afterwards, where it's like Zabisco's already attacked him. The pop that Bruno gets for everything in the ring is nuts. Well, what's crazy is Bruno Sammartino, huge amazing wrestler. It just shows that in that federation forever, the guy on top. With the exception of Steve Austin, not really a guy who knows how to wrestle. Like, no. Like, bear hug, stand there, be Italian. Like, Bruno Sammartino <laughs> went to other territories to cool off, which is what you would do at that time, is even if you were the champion, you'd leave for two weeks, be injured, and you'd go somewhere else to earn a little bit of money, but not be around. And every territory he went, yeah. it was a disaster, because they were like... All right, welcome to fucking Texas here in the armbar and the clothesline and the bruiser Brody. He's gonna fuck you. And then he'd be like, um, uh, "No, I uh, I put you in a bear hug, and then I am a man. That is yeah. it. it. First of all, I put you in a bear hug, and then I win against all of you. Well, that's- I slam Andre out the ring, and he dies." That's not that's the, w- the end of the match. That's not the worst Bruno Sammartino impression I've ever heard. Oh wait, I'm of co- I'm of course lying. Mine was better. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. No, it's not. Yours was just talking like you. Yeah, I sound exactly like Bruno Sammartino because we both are wide dicked strong men. With just like a face. Like this guy's face is just so cro magnum. Oh yeah, he's a fucking he stonehead. Has Andre the Giant's face. <laughs> yeah, that's not a compliment. You look like a man who died in his 40s, you Italian fuck. <laughs> oh, and by the way, so Vince McMahon Sr. is very much into what's quote-unquote having ethnic champions. There's either you have a heel champion, a babyface champion, or an ethnic champion. And only I love wrestling that they're like, black people and Italians, same thing, not good. Uh, and so you'd that's have... So gr- that's so great. You'd appeal to... Um, a big ethnic base of an area, Italian being a huge one in the Pacific, in the Northeast. So uh, Bruno was also very much big over that because he appealed as an Italian immigrant to, or son of Italian immigrants to a ton of fans. Uh, other issues, Pedro Morales uh, went on to be the champion. Uh, that he had his run cut short because supposedly there was too many stabbings. In Madison Square Garden, so the NYPD said you have to get the belt off the Puerto Rican. I hate Great. wrestling. It's the best. Um, yeah. So when he, I'll read the full story. When he was sixteen, uh, Larry Zabisco. Can you? I know. Out. Pause. Just I know where the story is going. Just guys, everyone. This is the real story. He says this like he tells this like it's a fun story. Continue, Dylan. Found out where Bruno lives. Uh, who got it from uh, doing volunteer work at the church. Um, so they had Bruno's address on record, so we just found a man's address. He started occasionally driving past his house, 
which is a few miles away, just driving by, slow drive, you know, like you're casing out it out for a robbery. Yeah. And he stopped the car. He got out one day, crawled through the hedges, and that's how I met him. He said Bruno was pol- was super polite. Um, also, like, of course you would be because you think this crazy person's going to stab you. Like, wouldn't you be polite if someone was like, John Hastings, I know your body weight when you just came home? Uh, you mi- like, you also missed what cooking? you missed what uh, Bruno Sammartino was doing, by the way. What was he doing? Sun tanning by the pool. Yeah, it's fucking, he's living that life, baby. He literally, yeah, but this guy walks through your hedges while you're fucking yep. in a Speedo. You're like, well, here's how I get stabbed by fucking Mark David fucking Chapman. Also, probably the start of a lot of pornos. Oh, part of, probably the start of the porno that was filmed that day. Larry's hey, Larry's I Abisco know where just, you live. Let's fuck. Larry's Abisco just getting reamed. Or no, I think Larry's a top and Bruno's a bottom, I would have to say. No, Bruno's for sure the top. No, that's what you would think. But I think that he's a dominant bottom. It's power bottom. No, power bottom is just about the power he gives in the fucking from the bottom. But yes. he's dominant bottom, which means he dominates over the top's life. And it's part of their weird dom- sex game. Yeah, he's a dom-, a dom A dom bomb. He's a dom bomb, which also sounds like such a fucking great reggae song. Dom bomb! <laughs> like by Shaggy was the follow-up. Italian to- reggae? Italian reggae. Is that what you were going for? Because that's what you hit. Yes, it's it was. Fucking headed bitch. Uh, Italian people can do reggae too You're racist That's me I win Italian people do not do reggae How do you know Oh cause I'm Dylan And there's rules to everything Rules like no mixing of races That's what you believe You're a bad man No I google it every day Italian reggae No results in google It doesn't even It doesn't even redirect me to anything else It just says why did you google this no, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. No, why? Why are you lying? I just did. I just tried it with my dick. My dick that fucked your mom. No, you didn't. Nope. Never. Happened. I fucked your mom. Um. So basically, he asked Bruno how to get in the wrestling business. Uh, Bruno didn't smarten him up at first. Why would you? Um, he just walked out of a fucking hedge, looking like a creepy Frankenstein fuck from Poland, and he's like, "I want to be a wrestler." And Bruno's going to be like, "Our first thing you need to know, not real. Second thing, use the gate, creep kid." <laughs> But, yeah, he didn't smarten him up, but then he also, but Larry Zbysko, which is refreshing, just says, I hope it was, he hoped it was fake because he didn't want to actually fight. Because if you think, if, if you think wrestling is real, like if you actually think wrestling is real, then you're like, oh, this guy fights one guy a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's horrifying. Yeah, they, well. That's like, that's like a prison, that's a, pri- that's a prisoner, like, working off uh, his debt. To like a weird warden. Yeah, the only guy that it sort of makes sense wasn't sure if it was fake or not is Rowdy Roddy Piper because it, he just got beat up by Larry the Axe Henning for a year and wasn't wrestling. He was just on a wrestling card being beaten up by a sadist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then can we get the boy? How? Uh, what is your? What do you want your opponent to be, Larry? I want him to be seventeen and a and a nice boy. I want him to be just an. Make sure he's 14 and a runaway so no one believes his stories when I punch him. (laughs) He's going to see a shadow form under my trunks. (laughs) That's not it. 
Larry, you're uh, you're really starting to creep me out, Larry Zavisco, and I walk through hedges to get in the business. All right, let's pick up the pace so we don't spend three hours talking about Larry Zabisco. Can I just tell you something? I just never realized it till this moment, but Kevin Spacey would have been a really good pro wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> he missed his calling oh, as a toy pro wrestler in the 70s. Oh, no, but oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where it's like, uh, what job guy do you want, Mr. Spacey? Here's a picture of the boy I want you to find. A specific boy? No, just one that looks like him. <laughs> That's good stuff. Make my dick go come. My dick to come, please. <laughs> I set this cum oven to baking. <laughs> that's what I call my dick now. Uh, a cum that's oven? I, have a heart on. I said, yeah, because it's hot. And dry. <laughs> it's really dry. Yeah, you do have a dry dick. Out. That's the one thing that people don't know about you that they should know about you is your dick is usually dry. No. Because of my masturbation habits, my dr- my dick is very extremely soft. The rest of my skin, blotchy. So it's a perfect... It's like that Bill Burr joke. The rest of my skin's fucked, but my dick just looks brand goddamn new right out of the package, baby. So let's skip ahead because we've talked about my dick more than Larry Zabisco. As is custom. Uh, yeah. Bruno and Despalt- Wait a minute. What is that? How is that different than any other episode? <laughs> also, can we just discuss the name? Uh, speaking of dicks, uh, he has his first match, which is a 17-second squash match against Slip Mahoney Dorso. That's your nickname <laughs> now. Slip Mahoney got Let's Fuck. Slip Mahoney. But this, here's the weird thing where he wins his first match. So, well, this guy crawls through the hedges. But according to fucking Larry Zabisco, yeah, of course he does. Because everyone in the back, they're like, how did you find this kid, Bruno? He's like, he walked through my hedges. They're like, well, we're going to probably make sure he wins so that that, uh, he doesn't, I assume, kill Vince McMahon. Like, there's a possibility Larry Zabisco (laughs) gave Vince McMahon senior cancer because he, (laughs) at some point, proposed that he lost. Yeah. I uh, I want the va- the boat, Mister McMahon. I, you can't <laughs> have it. All right, I've injected you with deadly cancer because I don't want to be brainwashed by the system. Do you have any weed? <laughs> no, he just stole the weed. He didn't ask for it. No, but he needs to know where the weed is to steal it. <laughs> Where's your weed? Yeah, I'm asking for another person. Yeah, I'm not asking <laughs> for me. I'm a man, not a boy. Um. So he was uh, he was trained by a number of wrestlers. He was trained by uh, Guido Mongol, which is for sure a pseudonym because he didn't want Larry to find out where he lived. Yeah, for sure a pseudonym for a white guy, by the way. That is for sure a white man. <laughs> Mongol, but how come you have red hair? I'm one of the Scottish ones. Yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, the plan was always to have him be Bruno's protege. This is pretty crazy by Bruno to basically take this guy completely under his wing. He was also trained by uh, Gene Kaniski. And he he's very open about the fact that because Bruno handpicked him as basically his successor, uh, he had like a lot of doors open to him that shouldn't have been opened. Like him basically learning from Arnold Scotland and Gorilla Monsoon very very early on, which does like the wrestling he saw as a kid. He he never builds on that. He's like, no, that's perfect wrestling. And that's yes. how he lives the rest of his and career. The other thing you have to understand is to have Gorilla Monsoon as a political ally. Gorilla Monsoon was um, a minority owner in the territory with Vince McMahon Sr. 
and he gave up his ownership rights to Vince McMahon Jr., but in the uh, contract, if payments weren't made at a certain point to Vince or to Gorilla, Man, or Gorilla Monsoon every month, he became an owner of the company again. So he was an incredibly powerful force within the WWE. Hang on one second. My alarm is going off, and this will be terrible for recordings. Oh, it's a nerd alarm uh, because uh, they know there's a big fucking nerd in the area. Also, why is your alarm some chimes and a bird, you old lady? Oh, Graham, Grandma John needs to take her pills, you fucking nerd. I don't take them in the morning. I mean, shut the fuck up. Hey, people know how boring you are, so when they ask how tall you are, I always tell them you're six foot snore. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Now, um... <laughs> So let's talk about the WWWF uh, where Bruno comes in or Zabisco comes in. The one last thing about Gorilla Monsoon, by the way, is Gorilla Monsoon is basically uh, one of the many people who could have stopped the territorial expansion because Gorilla Monsoon, territory wrestler, had friends that worked for territories, but basically saw the future and was like, I know someone's going to do this. I think Vince McMahon Jr. is definitely the best one and gave his blessings and convinced all the other partners that it had the similar deal. To just let it fucking happen. Yeah. Like, if he had... That's a really great... Yeah. Like, like everyone, like, oh, lovable fucking commentator. He was also... He was a vicious, scary fucking heel who didn't talk for 10 years. And for all intents and purposes, apparently, like, could still fucking break a spine even when he was just a fat man uh, yelling, uh, talking about the bread basket or the winner's purse, which was also my favorite... <laughs> Well, we'll have to split the winner's purse, Jess. Let's talk about the WWF, Dylan. Okay. Bruno brought him in full-time in 1973 uh, as his protege, and this is a entire... this. Think about this. This angle, uh, Larry Zbysko as Bruno's protege, lasts five years before he really starts... Um, before he really starts getting right into it. Uh, he works around the territories... Uh, obviously, the thing is about being aligned with Bruno San Martino that much is he also has his enemies, one of which was Bill Watts. Um, and since he's got that, can I just say? Can I just say? In, can I just say? Yeah, yeah. How not shocked I am that Bill Watts doesn't like Bruno San Martino. Probably from when Bill Watts worked in the WWF, and also probably from the fact that Bill Watts thinks that Italian people are a different type of Jew and they kill Jesus and he doesn't like that. <laughs> well, Bill Watts also did this pretty great move, which is like he apparently, according to Zabisco, saw him piss off a 14th floor balcony into a food court. <laughs> <laughs> racism or no racism, that's solid stuff. <laughs> you just see the biggest man you've ever seen pissing on your food? Like, well, I guess I can't do anything because that guy's way up there and still bigger than me, yeah. <laughs> even in the distance. Um, yeah. Just to let you all know that you are the bottoms and I am the top. <laughs> exactly and watts basically watts wanted to come in wanted larry to come in and job and uh that because larry's bruno san martino's protege it makes him look bad by proxy to have larry job which is fucking insane that you can do that that like bruno had that sway to be like no anyone who's my friend never loses unless it's to me bruno in a lot of ways was just low-key hulk hogan and I mean that in drawing power and 
in the barber doesn't lose dude because he tapes me fucking cassandra that's my side piece dude <laughs> but that's all but that's true of any top guy by the way like rick flair will talk about like the fairness and all that sort of stuff like he would make he would protect the brain busters and all that he would protect the spot of the four horsemen he didn't really care about winning and losing because it was a different setup of the territory but all the big men would do that if steve austin had friends he would have, like, you know, that would have been protected. You know what I mean? Like, it happens all yeah, the true. fucking time. A Volkswagen, uh, a Volkswagen Golf, and a pot of coffee have never been pinned in WWE, and that's due to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Because let's do his podcast; those are his favorite things. Oh my god, yeah, no, his dog Hershey has never been able has been only ever disqualified <laughs> in the WWF. <laughs> what a great man he is. Anyway, um, pause. Can I just so say, th- who the fuck would have thought? noted wife beater steve austin would be such an entertaining broadcaster what a twisted world to play the what a twisted place the world is hey man you ever you ever listened to uh music at christmas bing crosby vicious wife oh beater, my, so. oh and kid beater used to beat like you know oh, the yeah. you know that joke in the in the family guy where it's you beat him with a sack of oranges he actually did that that's the cra- like oh for sure what a piece of shit and here's how great crazy it was that he beat his kids people knew about that in the 60s oh yeah man <laughs> like he had to do it in front of reporters while being like it's totally cool you write about this yeah <laughs> do you want me to sing while do you want me to sing while i teach my daughter what's right and wrong with this belt <laughs> send in um, the clowns that's what i call pain deborah the clowns <laughs> um so this is a pretty crazy story, but he met uh, Sinatra at a local bar. Shut and, the fuck up! You know. Yeah. Oh, this gets crazier. Well, depending on your knowledge of the mob, this gets crazier. I kind of tipped to what the end is, but anyway. Um, so an old man approaches him, and Zabisco is Polish, and he hands him a toilet tube with two matches taped to the end, and the man goes, do you know what this is? And Larry said, no, I don't. And the guy said, a Polish flash, because they're dumb. And uh, then Larry went, you know why Italians have freckles? They slide right off their face. And the old guy didn't laugh. And then Bruno basically gave a, like, cut it out, like, talk anymore. And Larry just apologized and went to the back. And apparently that the old man was uh, Carlo Gambino. Holy fuck! Holy (laughs) fuck! (laughs) who was the mob boss before John Gotti and, like, the only mob boss to essentially have died of natural causes because he was too fucking smart for the cops. Uh, Carlo Gambino, uh, he was known as the Fox. He was the uh, mob boss two, mm-hmm. uh, two before uh, John Gotti, you fucking idiot. Paul Castellano yep. was in between them. Um, yep. Carlo Gambino, uh, they charged him one time. One time. They had the organized crime police unit had two cars in front of his house in Queens every day from, I think, his age of 60 to when he died. And his wife would bring them coffee every morning. And this is how fucking smart Carlo Gambino was. You could never figure out if he was in the room for wiretaps because at that time, wiretapping technology was very simple. They had a wire in his house, and there are recordings of um, um, people discussing what could be crime. And they, you never hear him speak on a wiretap because he knew it was there. And to fuck with them, they would intentionally talk about crimes in a way that they couldn't prove it, then commit the crimes 
Oh, he's a fucking maniac. Yeah, he died like of natural causes while watching a Mets game. Yeah, he died of mat- natural causes while <laughs> watching a Mets game, and for sh- and they're like, and was as deadly as cancer some years. Like he's fucking. Cr- that's so crazy. And was by the way, uh, Frank Sinatra's big friend. He was a good friend of old Frankie Sinatra. May have helped. Oh yeah, baby. May have helped some of the graveyards in Chicago vote. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and there's like yeah, you should all read uh, Sinatra's. Any Sinatra biography is fucking nuts. That guy was fucking powerful. Wouldn't it be crazy if Justin Bieber was just in with the Russian mob? (laughs) (laughs) Justin Bieber's the go-between between fucking, like, Donald Trump and Russia? Baby, baby, that's what happened with Sinatra. Baby, baby, ah! They're very good, Justin. Um, (laughs) Good song. Ah, yes, I am your baby. Um, Well, yeah, that's all. My my brain just farted. Yep. so he's uh, working territories. He works a bit in Japan. Um, he claims to have been offered a role, a small role in The Hills Have Eyes, but he looked at the script and thought it sucked. Um, Man, wrestlers are very critical of Hollywood writing. Where's, no, he, where's the clothesline? According to Larry, Larry Zabisco has a bunch of stories that are just like, I beat the fucking shit out of this guy. It's about 1998. And uh, this guy goes, oh, can you teach him some of that? And he's like, you got to learn on the streets, kid. Anyway, what's your name? And he went, Brock Lesnar. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's the whole fucking... Larry Zabisco thinks that he could simultaneously be in the biggest movie of all time while winning the boxing championship, the UFC championship, and like a bevy of other things. The only thing that could stop him would be if Bruno San Martino started jogging again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's got this weird... I mean, I, I mean, fair enough, man. Bruno gave this dude the, his whole fucking life, essentially. Um... And Larry's in good spot on Bruno because Larry Zabisco was fucking great. Like I want that. I want to make that very clear. Like his promos. Oh, right. Like listen to how he is in real life. The guy's also a natural bad guy. Bruno clearly saw that because one of the issues issues with Bruno, especially at this time when Bruno semi retired, is there weren't. Bruno wasn't going to work a schedule with the people that he had worked with, which was he would work with big fucking hitting heels, and they'd all submit to mm-hmm. the bear hug. Bruno's a smart man and is going. I'm an older dude. My hips are bad. I'm going to work with a small fucking, a small bump and heel, as Jim Cornette would say. And yep, hello, my darling. Hello, my sunshine gal. Here comes Lazar Zabisco for the fucking win. So uh, throughout the 70s, as a heel, he does uh, have a short feud with superstar Billy Graham for the title. Um, but he's basically in the upper mid-card mix. Uh, he does go to uh, Japan. He's part of the New Japan Madison Square Garden series, having matches with like Andre, Antonio Noki, Fujinami, Stan Hansen. Um, so he's like, from what I gleam from this, he's essentially like Dolph Ziggler. Like he's intercontinental level, intercontinental level, uh, but he just jobs to all the. If any, if someone needs to look good and win, they put him against Larry Zabisco, and he's a face. Um, he does turn heel for the first time. Um, because Bruno retired, uh, Zabisco talks about how he feels like he's in his shadow and he wants to have a normal, uh, wrestling match with no evil holds on them. And Bruno agrees to come back. Now, here's where we get a lot of very, very fun stories about Bruno dealing with Vince Sr. and all that shit. Because, by the way, what, here's the one thing that we know for sure before we get into the fun malarkey that is wrestling lore. Bruno Sammartino and the McMahons 
never really big fans of each other. Crazy, right? Because it was like the only Bruno knew that the domin these guys he had to work with these guys because they had the most uh, Italian immigrants, uh, basically where he could be the biggest draw. Yeah, uh, in that territory. But yeah, it's fucking. A lot of this is very, very fun. Um, so basically, uh, Bob Acklin's champion. He's not really selling, so they're open to Bruno coming back. Um, but with the promise of the Zabisco Bruno feud, he says gate receipts. I'm going to say all he says because this is all from Larry Legend Larry's mouth. Um, gate receipts are up now, and he wants to be paid basically as much as Backland. And and also, Bruno, but, oh, can uh, I just also make this point? Backland at this point, they're. Bob Backlund's a bit of a disaster. He is not making the money yeah. for the company that they were getting with Superstar Billy Graham. Superstar Billy Graham, by the way. He's a real... And is Bob Backlund the original Roman Reigns? Bob Backlund... Because he's, ta- he's champ for like three years with no one caring, and he's basically... This is how Roman Reigns started. Yeah, the, he's basically that, and it's also... it's. It's, it's Vince McMahon. He's exactly Roman Reigns. Because Vince McMahon Jr., by the way, was under his dad going, put the fucking belt on superstar Billy Graham. That guy was so fucking huge. He was selling out the fucking garden as a heel. Look at him. He's such a nat. Like, he looks like a star as opposed to this guy who doesn't look like a star. And no one. It, and it was just because that's what Vince McMahon Sr. had planned on doing. And he stuck with his plan like a fucking weirdo. And that's the very funny thing about it, isn't it? Like, uh, of all the things that Vince Jr. hates about his dad or whatever, um, the one thing he stuck to is like, no, this is the plan. This is what fucking happens. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Um, Never, you know, there's no competition in New York. So basically, it sounds weird, but they have the New York market. Uh, in the way they have the worldwide wrestling market right now, so they stick with the exact same plan. That's really interesting. Um, so Vince Senior initially turns down the idea um, of Bruno even coming back. Uh, then he asked Bruno to do it, uh, and Bruno was so mad that apparently he charged a ten thousand dollar fee just for him to sit down to discuss it with the McMahon. That's good stuff. That is some fucking good stuff. <laughs> So the angle starts by Larry ignoring Bruno's attempts to interview him after matches. Then Vince Sr. confronts him and asks him why, which he cut a he cuts a promo declaring his respect for Bruno, but his frustration that his career is totally overshadowed, and the only way he can do that uh, is to, for Bruno to come out of retirement and face him in a scientific wrestling match. Bruno refuses for a couple of weeks and then relents, stating that he will release any deadly holds so he couldn't hurt is so he wouldn't hurt his protege uh before this match they even have a way now here's where things get weird because you think it would be okay we've already sat down so the feud's kind of fucking completely laid out but on january 22nd the match takes place over the course of the match uh bruno gets various holds and then he releases them you know um but then eventually larry snaps punches him in the face and fucking does the whole lays bruno bleeding with a headshot, throws a couple chairs at him. Uh, after he does this, he says he got death threats. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't around in the 70s. I would believe he probably got, like, keep my, it's Italian immigrants. Like, I don't want to prey on stereotypes, but some of them definitely threatened him. Like, I, listen. I don't think you're saying it. I don't think you're saying it specifically. Can I clean this up so you can 
so you can go outside tomorrow morning. Yeah. I don't think you're talking specifically about Italian immigrants. I think it's all wrestling fans at this time. Yes. Like, it's re- like uh, If you like wrestling, you basically pretend it's real and you kind of know it's not. You, suspe- you suspend your disbelief to the point that you want to shoot the junkyard. You want to shoot the free birds for blinding the junkyard dog. Like, yeah, you, like, exactly. New York was no different than any other territory. In that there was a group of fans that legit rioted if something didn't go their way, like the, um, yeah, like for fuck's sakes, yeah, sure. The Midnight Express had to had to drive to the local police station in New Orleans and be driven to the arena in a police car, and then they had to stop doing that because the fans started attacking the police car. Like this was a very rough and tumble time. Also. If people say, oh, there's more violence now, no, there's not. No one's attacking a police car because the fake fighters are in it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So they have a huge match uh, on TV at MSG uh, on March 1st. It was sold out to the point where people were watching outside. The claim is to be five to 6,000 people were watching outside, still paying. Uh, And Bruno is winning the match up until he strangles Larry with the ropes. Uh, giving Larry the win by DQ, and this allows Zabisco to do the classic. Uh, I was winning, but then Bruno, like I win, I beat Bruno rather. Um, so they're gonna do another big blow off with a cage match, and this is the final length. Larry becomes pissed off that he's not making enough money because, as we address the backland stuff, um, and this is where Vince Senior. <laughs> so he calls Vince Senior. Um, to present his case, and after two sentences, he was cut off. And Vince told him the idea was nonsense and just to forget anything. Just forget everything. He told Bruno about this. Bruno's pissed. But then Bruno brilliantly is like, okay, just forget everything is an open-ended phrase, so just claim that means he fired. So he calls back and... Um, basically starts putting pressure on him like okay we can take this to another territory uh, Vince McMahon calls him crying wait Vince McMahon Jr. calls him crying oh my god and says you're gonna give my dad a heart attack just to the match and Larry says he felt bad for Vince but then says no Bruno said don't trust promoters so he didn't doubles down on the deal and they basically get more money plus 10% of the ticket holy fuck so it's fucking nuts uh, so this is, but this is one of Vince McMahon's fucking, you've heard, even when you hear shit about CM Punk, like you, um, he switched it to, instead of crying, like he switched it to like, this is a family. Why would you leave your family rhetoric? Yeah. But, but this, he still uses this type of, of course, this emotional manipulation of like, how could you break me? Little Vinny's heart. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What have I ever done except all of the bad things? Yeah, exactly. Uh, they had the match at Shea Stadium. Uh, apparently, they they sold it out. Um, he he solidified as a crazy crazy heel at this point. Um, and he was stabbed after doing a cheap uh win over Ivan Putsky. Um, so Shea Stadium sold out. Wikipedia says thirty six thousand two hundred ninety five people. Um, Larry's book says forty five thousand people. I think that's a great microcosm of Larry Zabisco <laughs> and his facts. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, yeah, they and 
Bruno wins the cage match, and that's where we'll stop um, with our next uh, uh, with after the break. We'll talk about his time in the NWA, his time in the AWA, his time in the Dangerous Alliance, his time being a WCW commentator. That really weird. Oh man, the match against Scott Hall. That great match against Scott Hall when everyone who's my our age was like, "Larry Zbyszko's a wrestler." I just assumed he was like staggerly (laughs) Marshall. Oh man, great stuff. So uh, we'll do that after the break. Break my dick off in your puss. I'm so sorry, everybody. This will be the fastest one as never. Hey, Dylan, patreon.com backslash wrestle review. Patreon.com backslash wrestle review. Patreon.com backslash wrestle review. Please give us money, get uh, alternate episodes, and you can maybe pick the wrestler we review next, and maybe John will get a Barry Darso tattoo on his lower back. Slut, slut, slut. Shame on your body. We're fucking back, motherfuckers. Shit. Oh, get your dick out. Get it hard. Who wants to fuck? <laughs> fuck me. Let's fuck. Cover me in your sweet, sweet cum. Ooh, it tastes real like syrup. That must mean you have diabetes. So diabetes up these pussies, bro. Night. Did any of that make sense? <laughs> um, so he leaves the WWWF. Um, and he knew his days were numbered when he was uh, supposed to be pinned. Uh, and he said Bruno never pinned him. So anyone less than Bruno uh, pinning him, he knew was a uh, bad, bad time time. This is a guy who has met all the captains of Star Trek. So he thinks he is a cast member in Star Trek. That's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> But he's like, he's the only dude left who's just like, he's passing on the legend of Bruno because he said, if we would have done pay-per-view, it would have been the biggest buy rate ever. He's, he claimed, legit, he claims that Hulk Hogan couldn't follow Bruno and that he needed a, a group of wrestlers like Macho Man Piper and Snuka to do it uh, and not Hogan alone. No, Larry, you fucking affliction t-shirt <laughs> with a fucking wig. Larry also needed a group of wrestlers around him, like you and your, his fucking son, you dumb fuck. Ivan Putsky, all of the fucking heels Isn't that were that brought insane? in, Stan the Man Hanson, uh, or Stan the Man Stasiak, oh, that's so fucking stupid. That's that's an it's argument in nuts. line with 9-11 truthers, where they're, they're like, lim, 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 lim. that's what they all sound like, you're all bad, kill yourselves, kill yourselves in a controlled explosion. Oh, the building will fall at the rate of gravity. That's what it sounds like. Larry Zbysko, by the way, for sure 9-11 truther, 100%. Oh, man. All right. So can you imagine the rock and wrestling connection with Bruno Sammartino instead? Just yeah. like... He's playing the banjo. Here's Billy Jim. He likes to play the banjo. Here's Roddy Piper playing the bagpipes. Here's Bruno. He made a salad. Eating <laughs> salad is very good for you, and I'm just going to stand here and poke at the leaves... I'm gonna clean the leaves out of my pool. That's the end. That's gonna be 15 minutes of the show. <laughs> I'm Bruno Sammartino, and I play uh, the high quality Zinfandel I imported. Music yeah. is instead of a, instead of like a six foot seven surfer screaming at you about vitamins, it's just a it's a six foot tall Italian man explaining that a balanced diet is the key to having a nice time. Yes. You know what, dude? 
Imagine if Hulk Hogan and Larry Zbysko were friends and uh, Hulk Hogan ended up fucking Larry's wife. The lies Larry would have about that. She was like, oh, you had to come in and fuck me afterwards because Hulk couldn't do a good job. Yeah. He ended up <laughs> I, just, just putting his dick on her stomach. I don't know how he impregnated his wife. He doesn't know what a vagina is. He just went, <laughs> sticky. And then Bruno came in and fucked all three of us and it was spectacular. I smoked some weed and then Bruno fucked us and me. I mean, I I'm no, no, I gave Vince McMahon Sr. cancer. <laughs> so here's where we get good. Because what is a guy, it's 1984, Woo! literally leaves so well-timed for Larry because he leaves just as Vince is going national. Which, by the way, is why he left. This is, like, let's, let's be honest. Vince yeah. McMahon Jr. literally went, you held up my this dad. Up. My dad is now dead. Completely. He's totally and completely phasing him out in favor of more interesting wrestlers. Like, if you had a choice between the Junkyard Dog or Larry Stupid-Ass Henning, or Larry Stupid-Ass Zabisco, what would you, you know? You'd totally pick Zabisco. So he was super pumped to work with Ganya, Ray Stevens, Nick Bockwinkle, and Vad Dog Vachon, other people who said... Uh, ropes or no ropes, it doesn't change the match for me. Going off the ropes is too fancy. Get me to front chancery and then pin me. That's it. Front chancery, break. Cup of tea, front chancery, match over. I don't know the validity of this claim, but supposedly someone in the AWA, a lot of people were on edge because someone had gone into the offices with a machine gun and fired into the wall. Yeah, I mean, it's Larry Zabisco. It was not, and then Bruno beat up that man. <laughs> yeah, and then Bruno ate the gun and shit the gun pieces out, and those gun pieces were coins, and that's how the penny was invented. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Can you be like, you think Larry's a, a cuckold, but only for the San Martinos? Like, any San Martino can make love to whoever Larry Zabisco was seeing at the time? Yeah, he has a genetic cuck rule. It's actually the only way he can get a boner is he has to think of one of the San Martino boys having sex with his wife. That's He calls it his Viagra. It's my Viagra, baby. <laughs> um, so this AWA, by the way, is not doing very well uh, this time. Um, oh, no. This he, is the beginning of is, the end. This is, this is when it really starts revving up and Vince McMahon is taking all of his talent because this is Vern Gagne has just lost Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan has essentially walked out. Yeah. When he Bergogna replaced Hulk Hogan Hulkamania. with Larry Zbysko, this is the very funny part, how he said Bruno was better than Hulk Hogan. He literally play, replaced Hulk Hogan with Larry Zbysko. Now wrestling's going to be bigger than ever, and Larry Zbysko is slowly going to drive this from arenas to a TV station. I shouldn't say Larry alone, but Vern had a lot to do with it, obviously. Oh, Vern had a lot. Vern with his wool trunks and his horrific balding. His, his <laughs> demand, like, Vern Gagne, this is what you, the most progressive thing about Vern Gagne is that occasionally he'd do it doggy style with his wife. Okay, only when she's good. <laughs> only when you're good, Martha. Only when you're good. Only when, only when you behave. So he feuds with Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, he feuds with, uh, do he feuds with, uh, Greg Gagne, uh, of course, Scott Hall and Kurt Hennig and Ray Stevens, Nick Bockwinkle. Oh, it's fucking great. So 
Larry, as all oh, pardon me, no, he 80s. never feuded with uh, Nick Bockwinkel and Ray Stevens. They were heels together. I made a boo boo. No, he does. He does later on when Bockwinkel's just been around so much they have to make him a babyface. Oh yeah, and when Bockwinkel no longer has Bobby the Brain Heenan, so it's literally just like, what do we do with this old fuck? Well, he does this now. I don't know. Fuck you. That's what. That's what happens. <laughs> we only book people who have been in this territory for thirty years. Um. So this is the best story. Vern Gagne clearly walks in on Larry Zbysko being extremely high. Larry Zbysko messing around with nunchucks as extremely high people do. (laughs) That's the kind of shit I'm talking about. And one, two, three. Larry Zbysko knows karate now. (laughs) Uh, That was his character. Larry Zbysko, wrist lock man, knows karate. He had... Three separate ninjas. One was called Mr. Go. The second uh, was a Japanese, was a 22-year-old, 6'5", 280-pound Japanese dude named Howard. And the final ninja was Steve Olenoski. He was known as the Ninja of Death. Dude. Three separate ninja managers for Larry Zbysko. How good was 1980s oh, wrestling? I got confused. I thought that from from reading the research, I thought these were three like ninja wrestlers that came with him and would wrestle with him. These were just his managers. Were Mister Go, Howard, and Steve, which do not sound like that's not those are not ninja names. Quick, who's the ninja here? Howard. What? Is he the treasurer of the ninja cabal? No. Of course not. That's racist to assume <laughs> that Howard, a, a vaguely Jewish name, would be the treasurer. Well, he just—he doesn't have nunchucks or a samurai sword. He's carrying one of those old abacuses. I love the idea that you start out with two Japanese guys. Wait a minute. No, no, one Japanese dude who's actually Japanese, and then you just go straight up. These are white dudes because we don't have enough money for that right now. <laughs> Oh, God. In a couple years, the AWA, with actually by the time Larry is done with the AWA, they will literally do a show in a TV studio with a painted-on audience on the wall. Yeah. Also, not the first time they did that. That was apparently something that was done. Oh, God damn it. Who was the fucking guy in Tennessee that worked with Jarrett before? Not Blanchard. Nick. Oh, fuck you, John. Nick who? Oh, the other Tennessee, the other Southern fucking promoter that everyone hated that was the worst payoff man in the territory. Oh, I forgot his name. Doesn't matter. He used a painted no on audience all the time because he didn't want to have to uh, pay to use a TV studio. So they used a room so small they couldn't actually fit people in. So they just had a dull, um, they just didn't like them and they painted the audience. And wrestling rules. <laughs> wrestling is the wrestling best. Wrestling is the best. So Larry knows karate. He was due to win the title from Nick Bockwinkle. Uh, as Bockwinkle is ready to retire, but basically uh, AWA had, by this time had lost his national TV spot and uh, Larry was quote unquote suspended from the NWA for life because uh, Kurt won, Kurt Hennig won the title. They were going to switch into a Zabisco feud, but they didn't have enough money to keep employing Zabisco. Uh, at this point, he of course goes to the NWA, starts a feud with Dusty Rhodes. They realize he's so boring and uh, he does a bit of tag team wrestling and a bit of everything, really. Like, he beat Sting, Johnny Ace, and Jimmy Garvin. Uh, he lost some people. Like, he didn't really do anything. 
Yeah, he was. Oh, I should say he was briefly the Western States Heritage Champion, which sounds really right. racist. <laughs> He's keeping the goddamn white dream alive, Larry. Yeah. Is. You know what the heritage of the West is? No black people. <laughs> I should mention this though. Uh, actually, the whole reason why Larry got got blue balled on the dusty angle was they stuck him with baby doll. And he was supposed to, Baby Doll was supposed to plant a big kiss on Dusty Rhodes, but she got cold feet because Sam Houston, her husband, wasn't comfortable with it. This led to her being fired. And then Larry won and lost a bit and left the, t- left the NWA for Greener Pastures, which is the AWA, where they basically had shows. Wow, people tried to drink. This is the AWA where it's the fucking... Like, Vern Gagne has milky eyes. He's he's screaming at a ghost that he thinks is, is Mad Dog Vachon's leg. Um, they're doing the super clashes and the super cards, which were kind of okay. But, like, they're putting the weirdest people in positions of prominence. Um, they do that crazy this is literally weird... The AWA is two people right now. It's Larry Zabisco versus Buck Zumoff. Or Larry Zbysko and Buck Zumoff. Oh, no. Buck Zumoff. Oh, the fucking... They have a sleeping pill and a pedophile. (laughs) Oh, and then their champion... Actually, that's crazy because their champion at one point was Jerry Lawler. Yeah, because of Super Clash. That's because of Super Clash. Super Clash. Yeah. So uh, they might be the only company where both their champions were pedophiles at once. Oh, my God. That's that's amazing. What an amazingly horrible man that Vern Gagne is, as is Buck Zumoff and Jerry Lawler. (laughs) I've never wanted the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal fucking trophy to fall more on someone's head than when Jerry Lawler's at fucking ringside with his fake fucking hair and horrific smile. There you go. Like, he looks like he smells like like cheap vanilla oh yeah get them is someone rubbing vanilla extract on their neck like it's cologne <laughs> puppies <laughs> Ooh, puppies i like my bananas green if you know what i mean jerry lawler has that tattooed on his back you know i don't know why i call older women's boobs puppies because puppies bite that's why i don't touch them <laughs> oh no <laughs> big baby uh he was supposed to win the title from Jerry Lawler, but Lawler got fucked on a payday. So Classic. Why the, the fuck not, Vern? Why the fuck? The one guy who is a draw, and make no mistake about it, in the South, Jerry Lawler's a fucking massive fucking big deal. And of course, yeah. Vern fucking wool socks don't fucking tell... Stand on my lawn and shout at a cloud Ganya. Uh, that man doesn't fuck women. Pay him half. <laughs> So, for the record, but, a woman is only your wife. If you're not married to her, they are bins. <laughs> yeah, they are just fridges full of your loads. Yeah, that's where and your shame goes. <laughs> so, uh, Lawler busts up the belt and mails it back to them. Blah, blah. Uh, Zabisco wins it off of, I'm assuming, uh, some passing dog <laughs> that they just put the title on. Um, no, they He wins it in a battle royal. Uh, he had matches with Sergeant Slaughter, Harley Race, Nikita Kolov, Ken Patera, um, and claims he drew. All right, he claims he had a match with Masa Saito, which drew sixty-three thousand fans the night before the Mike Tyson Buster Douglas fight. Oh, did he? It's a lie. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, my favorite thing is this story. This is this is uh, this is Larry. I love karate and nunchucks, stealing weed at the height of it. So, 
Larry tells the story where uh, he was he was at the Tyson Douglas fight with Bam Bam and Vader. Right at the end of the fight, Vader got overexcited, ran down to the ring apron, past security with his camera. When he got to the exact point that Tyson went when he got there, it was the exact point when Tyson went down. Vader, uh, when Vader returned, said hi to Larry in the back. He was shell shocked. And Larry asked him what was wrong. Vader said that he'd heard Tyson shout, now, 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 and that he took a dive. Larry believed. <laughs> Mike Tyson took a dive to Buster Douglas in a move that just fucked his career up because it wasn't against anyone and no one was really watching the fight. Mike Tyson took a dive. This is right up there with Gordon Soley thinking the NHL is fake. Uh, the, NFL, <laughs> the NFL was fake. Oh, yeah, the NFL. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's fucking great. It's fuck, fuck you, Larry. Hey, Here's what I want to have happen at Larry Land. Some truth. <laughs> Larry Land sounds like it's made for, It's a pedophile place, though. That's for sure. Uh, I don't think... I'll tell you this about Larry. He doesn't strike me as a pedophile. If anything, he strikes me as a guy who likes granny porn. Ooh. He's the opposite. Yeah. I like I like them experienced, like Bruno. Um, <laughs> there was so he goes brief, to WCW. Brief talk of an AWA-WCW invasion orchestrated by Jim Barnett, noted chicken hawk and good businessman. But um, it all fell apart. The AWA collapsed. Larry Zabisco, last ever AWA champion, which he says is a great honor and makes him the largest dick wrestler ever. Weird thing that he was quoted as saying. <laughs> He was very. He was quoted as saying, "This means that when you fuck me, you're in for a real rough time on your cunt." I don't. Due to fuck. dryness, I punt. Yeah, something about me. You should know about the living legend. I don't like wet things. I like them dry. So sit by this fan, <laughs> and then we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, he starts a tag team with uh, Arn Anderson in uh, ni- 91 in WCW, and he quoted us saying he used to drive uh, Arn nuts in the ring because he didn't like Arn's approach. He ha- did what Larry called a modern bump fest. Arn Anderson's uh, too high-flying. For the legend Larry Zavisco. And Larry would sometimes stand outside the match, stand outside the ring for like 10 minutes yeah, before any, getting in the ring. Anytime a crowd chanted Larry sucks, he would leave the ring basically as a way to cause, um, uh, the stall the match more and build more heat, but it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And then Arn sounded like, Arn basically was like, you, but they don't like you. Like, it's a different thing. Like, stop this. They're going to leave. <laughs> this is terrifying. Um, and he tore his ACL a bunch, basically. And that's how he uh, stopped wrestling. As I mentioned at the top of the show, he was going to feud with Ric Flair. Uh, he wanted a feud with Ric Flair. They said no because it's Larry Zabisco and you've just been jobbing to tag teams for three years. Yeah, you... Yeah, why would you? Yeah, you're you're the low rung tag team partner in the Dangerous Alliance, which was a group that didn't fucking um like didn't fucking work because they didn't give it enough time. Like it would have actually gotten over like fucking Rover, yeah. but it didn't. But it would literally be like if Charlie Haas in the world's greatest tag team when he was on Team Angle, if they're about to get fired, and Charlie Haas was like, okay. Me and let The me, Rock. Let me feud with The Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. And he's like, oh, it's because you're afraid I'll uh, yeah, he's afraid of me. The Undertaker. No, no one cares about you and you're boring. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, he's uh, afraid of he me. Does, he did color commentary. He hated every... Uh, 
He hated every goddamn moment of it, watching people jump around. Uh, he had a short feud with William Regal uh, because he loved his old school style. And a reason I'm kind of skipping around, we get to 1997, where, I mean, the major impact Larry Zbysko had on my wrestling uh my wrestling fandom was his feud with the NWO and being the only color commentator who would really stand up to them. Yeah, it's very weird because you have to understand is they never mentioned that he was a wrestler. They called him the living legend. But for me, who was watching WCW every week, I just assumed that he was a commentator forever. Because you look at him and you're like, yeah. there's because in, in my head, Jesse Ventura, that guy looks like an ex-wrestler. Um, not fucking... Uh, Larry the Whiffy Zabisco. Yeah, not like a guy whose hairline starts at his ears. Yeah. It was just like, oh, everybody's. And the other weird thing about this was like, he was standing up for WCW, but he was like the only dude doing it. And like every other wrestler was like portrayed as this biatch who didn't want to fight. Yeah, it's very strange. And it's like, why the fuck would you put Larry Zabisco in a match with... Because he fights Scott Hall and he fights Eric Bischoff. Why was that any other wrestler? Like, it's fucking weird. And it's like, why was the decision made for it to be Larry? Also, how they get him over of defending the commentator? It, they did it like three times and he doesn't like... It's also, he's the wrong guy to do this because it's not like he beat... He, he's a guy who's known to beat the fuck out of people. He's known to like, oh, here comes a wrist lock for 20 minutes. Yeah, and people don't know who Larry Zabisco is. Yeah. And people don't kind of like... Because he's like a really super unlikable heel. He's not like... He's not like if Bobby the Brain Heenan could wrestle and you put Bobby the Brain Heenan in there because that dude... Like, people like him because he's funny. Yeah, 100%. Larry Zabisco, like... When he goes up against Scott Hall in this match... He goes up against uh, Eric Bischoff. People are chanting, Larry sucks. Hang on. He goes up against Eric Bischoff at Starcade, and then he has a match with Scott Hall at Sold Out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when he faces Scott Hall, it's sold out. People are chanting Larry Suck. Because he does. He blows. Sucks my ass, mate. Because also all the old school fans who bring their kids will say, I remember when Larry Zabisco was a bad guy. Yeah, for for literally 17 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, he turned face in the Regal feud, I should say. But, like, usually he was like, because it was a three-man booth, and Bobby Heenan would say something funny and be for the heels. Tony Schiavone had play-by-play, and Larry Zbysko would just reiterate a thing that happened. Be like, oh, I took him down with a headlock. Oh, I really took him down with a headlock. Like, that's all Larry Zbysko did. He did stand up, quote-unquote, uh, against... But then it just made... It was super weird watching it because it's like this old man is facing Razor Ramon and Razor Ramon's like having problems fighting him. Yeah, but that was because of Razor Ramon's intense drink. I mean, the real ma- the real match was Razor Ramon versus alcohol with Larry Zbysko as a tag team partner. <laughs> but I'm, all right, so I was looking at this and it's crazy how much of an alcoholic that Scott Hall was, but still had a, like a lovely little body on him, didn't he? It's also, do you know why he wasn't fired because of all the various assault charges? This is the best. This is why uh, Brad Ling. They needed him in the lawsuit against WWE, so he basically was like, "They can't fire me no matter what I do." So now, Daddy's gonna play. He hit an old. That's fantastic. He hit an old woman with his car. <laughs> it was intentional. He was drunk and he hit her with his car. And um, I like the description hit her with his car because it doesn't say he ran over her like he wasn't driving at the time. He just picked his fucking car up and let that bitch. Have I feel like that is what's happened. <laughs> um, he's there till WCW pretty much ends and he goes to TNA. Um, he's an authority figure. He 
Guess what he does in TNA? What's the last thing he does in TNA? If he, I'm going to assume he beats Abyss. He lost to Raven in a hair and hair match. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. That's fucking. Good I watched stuff. TNA and I don't remember Raven being particularly like a strong character. But every time we, every time we talk about a TNA wrestler, always. Always, they lose to Raven. <laughs> Here's the thing: is well, I remember Raven. Raven was great up until they did that thing where they did the fucking Border City screw job. That killed Raven so fucking dead. Like, which one was that? That was when they needed to get the belt back oh, on Jeff Jarrett. They flipped and they just, it onto Jarrett. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, wait, they just fucking ugh, so stupid, man. Uh he was like he was AJ Styles' manager. And he faced why? Uh, why would Styles he be AJ Styles? Why? He, why? Styles only pinned him once, because um, he's fucking Larry Zabisco, baby. He's like a director. He's like a pretty much a uh, what do you call that? He's an authority figure. Uh, he feuds with Raven off and on. He had really good chemistry with Raven, and he had really good chemistry with uh, Scott Hall. And he is a really good wrestler. It's just that. The guy is like in the ring. He's human fucking Nyquil. This dude. Yeah, he's just a fuck. He's just an asshole. Is the main issue. He's a fucking asshole. Well, and he's as of 2012. He still wrestled. That appears to be his last match. Um, I'm gonna ask you a different question than the best of worst because I think you think we both know the answer. But why has this dude been kind of? He is a Hall of Famer. He was in the Hall of Fame. Uh, in 2015, he's under a Legends contract. But why is kind of Larry Zbyszko kind of scrubbed from borderline scrubbed from WWE history? Bruno Sammartino connection. I guarantee you, it's the Bruno Sammartino thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say because he kind of knew. There's also this weird thing where he views Vince McMahon as Junior. There's these people. Yeah, he 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 remembers when Vince he re, he's a guy who was on the football team. When Dan Marino got to high school, so no matter what, Dan Marino, you're still a fucking bitch to me. Yeah, you're you're the dude. You, you always remember them with pimples, type thing. Yeah, does that make sense? Like you, he's not this fucking um omnipotent force. He's just the dude you worked for who was smart. Yeah, I never, uh, I never made it to the NFL, and you did, but I'm still better than you because I'm older. Is basically the theory behind it. Yeah, he's one of those dudes who like, yeah. I guarantee if you ask him about Vince McMahon, he'll be like, oh, Vince was smart. Like, his, vo- his voice will raise because he's like, oh, I fucking hate the guy, but I I need his money. Yeah, like, and like the thing is, he's under a fucking, uh, he's under a fucking uh, legends contract. Like, he's making a fucking check from the Fed. Like, and yeah, they can bring, I don't know what a legends contract means explicitly other than he'll do appearances from time to time when they're like, oh, we've absolutely run out of everyone. Larry Zabisco, come down here. I think it's mostly just like no TNA. I think it was just a, a, a way of getting rid of TNA, honestly. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. I don't know. That's why I but said But it's it. weird, though, because Bully, Bully Way still works for ROH, so. Bully Way? It's really weird. Oh, Bully Way. Is that what you just said, you fucking moron? It's Bully Ray, you idiot. I said Bully Ray, you stupid fuck. No, you didn't. Fuck. You know, you're a fucking idiot. You fucked me. No, I'm not. If I fucked you, you'd have herpes, bitch. Did you just admit to having herpes? Uh, Yes, I did. I'm loud. I'm proud. I've got herpes and I'm proud. I need to work on the song. Um, <laughs> John... Yes, sir. What's your favorite thing about Larry? I think it's the time he called uh, the New World Order the New Word Order during color commentary. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, see, that's the thing, man. He was like, 
prominent in making the NWO seem cool because it's like, well, I don't like this fucking weird father of three at all. Yeah. He seemed like he seemed like the guy who would um, have two sons on a baseball team, name one the captain, and cut the other one yeah. to teach him a lesson. <laughs> Just because you're older doesn't mean you're my favorite, Trevor. <laughs> Why don't you be a bit more like Kenneth? Yeah. I don't say Ken because I'm not a fucking hippie. Uh if you're going to cry, do it in the car. You only get three cries in your life. This is your second one. I count the ones from you're a baby. You owe me money as a result, bitch. Um, I think my favorite thing about Larry Zbysko is his, uh, he was really good at promos. Um, and I don't know why they kept him on color. He was all right at Kamala Commentary. He wasn't like the worst. He wasn't the best. He, he's not Jonathan Coachman, but he's certainly not Corey Graves. You know? Um. Yeah, I mean his promos are good, but he's boring. Oh, is yeah. the worst thing he, about him, like his bobo. match style. He like in the Scott Hall match gets him in a front chancery, and Tony Schiavone's trying to go nuts, being like, "Oh my god, he's got him!" And everyone's like, "What the fuck is this old guy doing?" It looks like someone stole f- some of his like stole some change out of a jar, and this old guy's trying to wrestle him to the ground, but just can't quite do it. That old man looks tired. <laughs> What's your? What do you hate the most about Larry? Larry, the lie. No, pussy so hairy. I think his origin story of how he met Bruno San Martino is so, makes me so uncomfortable. It is creepy. It's so fucking creepy, mate. Like, he, here's a question, and I mean this. I mean this in the, the nicest way possible. Do you think they act? They fucked or kissed? Maybe they kissed dicks. Yeah, they they at a truck stop. They docked one time just to, just to make sure that they liked it. I think that Larry like did one of those down low like you remember in Mad Men where a guy hands a guy a cup of coffee but he keeps his hand on the coffee and just puts his hand like kind of on top of the other guy's hand and then the other guy gives him a look and that's the down low like yes we're both gay but we're not going to be doing this later. I think Larry Zbysko definitely did that to Bruno. And do you think Bruno... It's like he just was like... He was like, good match, Bruno. And then he like patted him on the butt, but he didn't like take it off. He just kept it there. And Bruno was like, no. He was like, okay. Do you think... I know. I disagree. I think Bruno reciprocated where he's like, ah, the Sicilian handshake. <laughs> does that mean sex? Well, to some it does. What they did, w- what they did, would not be considered sex to us, but is considered sex. <laughs> yeah, they just practiced. They just practiced a bit. Of, ooh, practice a practice another ride for me, another wrestling ride while in bed, and we're naked, and there's music on, and I love you. Welcome to Larry Land. We are gonna tickle each other. Oh, tickle me, suck my suck my body. <laughs> Let's get naked. <laughs> All right, so that's Larry Zabisco. Next week is the first week of our month-long Patreon, not pa- Patreon pick. Keith, you're finally fucking getting it, baby. We're doing a month of the Macho Man. Oh baby no! Savage. There will be territory wars. There will be alleges of spousal abuse. There will be a lot of talk about the genius. There will be a massive discussion. I'm gonna say it one. Half of an episode is going to be devoted to whether or not he fucked Stephanie McMahon. I mean, we're just going to call it he definitely did and try and sell out for those fucking listens, baby. 
The Macho Man, Randy Savage, part one, next week on The Wrestler Review. I'm going to plug this. Uh, May 4th, I'll be recording an album at the Underground Comedy Club in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Go online for tickets uh, or join me on Twitter at Dylan Gott. I'll tweet about it and pin it to my fucking page, you stupid motherfuckers. Please listen and please fucking come for the love of fucking God. John, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, Sydney Comedy Festival, the last week of April. Come to that if you're in Sydney, Australia. Or... Tickets are on sale now for my Edinburgh 2018 show. It's called John Hastings, colon, float like a butterfly. John Hastings like a bee. Uh, 8.30 <laughs> at the Pleasant Cellar. That's good. Oh, it's good stuff, baby. Um, We're at, you're in the cellar now? Yeah, guy. Oh, they're going to call it the wine cellar after you're done, you complainy piece of shit. Oh, that's you. You looking in the mirror, you fucking slut. Um, remember, everyone, don't support Dylan's comedy. He is actually a bitch. I'm super faithful to my wife, and John cheats on his girlfriend constantly. That's been the wrestler. Of Ironically, but much. with Dylan's wife. Okay, talk to you later. I, Dylan's the Larry nope. Zabisco of this podcast. I'm the David San Martino. <laughs> David San Martino. Bye-bye. It was Bruno's son. That's a real guy. Uh, yeah, I know. i just saying you could have said you were Bruno, but you said you were David. No, I'm not Bruno. That'd be like me being like, I'm the Ric Flair of this podcast, and you're the David Flair. No, you're the, like, Reed, yes, I am you're the Reed Flair. Flair of this podcast, and I'm the Charlotte Flair <laughs> of this podcast. <laughs> you are tall. All right, bye-bye. And I got mass too. All right, now that's twice that you've told me you had a mystery guest. Both times it turned out to be a long video of you, and I want to know right now... Who this is? This is Go. Go is a ninja, and he is from Japan. Then let's ask Go, is it? What? Oh, just perfect. So now you're going to tell me he doesn't speak or understand English. His name is Go. He's from Japan. You know, you rush off to do something, and this is my segment. And the reason Go is here is because he's my training partner. We've been training a lot lately. He's also an excellent, excellent wrestler. He is dedicated to his art of fighting and self-defense. All right, no way. And the art of ninjutsu, of course. I know you don't know. Let's just stop you know right are? there. Do you know I what know, they are? I think what are they, Larry? Ninjas, as far as I understand, are cultural killers. They are assassins. Masters of poisons. Uh, Masters of deception. Suicidal. Can he understand what I'm saying? The point of this is this. We've got Nick Bockwinkle who has taken it upon himself to pay off uh, ex-prize fighters who are now bartender thugs. We have, uh, you know, political games being pulled, like again last week, Kurt Henning getting shots at Stan Hansen because his daddy's hunting with Vern. I've had it. And this man is in my corner all the time. And he is going to make sure that I do not get backstabbed, that I do not get jilted, that people like Scott Ledoux don't come flying in out of nowhere to save let's try to get, Let's try to understand just exactly what this ninja's function... Is this man to be your second or your trainer, or is this somebody you plan to use to sneak into a wrestling ring when you know, need help? No one ever help, sneaks in. Or, this man, he'll be my second if I need it. We work out in the dojo and train. 
We work out over wrestling and train. He's a great wrestler. He's a great martial artist. He believes in the same thing I do, which is conditioning and, and preparation and, and mental meditation for the match. We don't go running through the woods trying to kill a duck before we go into a wrestling match. You we can, go out to the ring and we wrestle. You can That's talk why about I it. say, Stan Hansen, where are you? If this man Stanley is a ninja, Blackburn, a ninja is a killer. Just a fancy him? way huh? of saying a killer. And that's all there is to it. Zabisco with another trick. We'll be back to the wrestling action after this. A ninja is...